Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. It's a 2024 offseason, and we are here to talk Dolphins football. We'll be with you every week, all through it, up until the start of the regular season. Uh, We'll be discussing free agency, we'll be discussing the draft, and we'll have a good time. Hopefully you'll join us uh, as we proceed through the offseason, and... uh, We've got a show today, so here we go. And it's another FinFans podcast. With me today, as usual, are the Rigonis. How are you guys? Lewis? Oh, good, 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 Mike. Very good. Enjoying my dolphin vacation here. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> same i mean i'm doing great um the games this past weekend have been pretty good but i can't help but be pumped for the draft and free agency and all the stuff that's coming up for our squad you know yeah it's gonna be gonna be an interesting off season when that when, when once we get to the you know uh, meat of it mm-hmm. yeah agreed first well, they have they have to find a defensive coordinator yep they do indeed there's been a lot of uh, talk back and forth between uh, Ron Jaworski and uh, uh, defending Fangio, and, and he came out with a with a bunch of comments yesterday, which I thought were interesting. Long story short, uh, he basically accused the Dolphin players that were speaking out against Fangio of uh, not wanting to work and and. Uh, and do their job to the best of their ability. They were more interested in living the Miami lifestyle than putting in the work. So Ron Jaworski said, first they quoted Tyreek, and he said, I'm not surprised he landed in Philly. People talk around the league behind closed doors. They was like Vic trying to get to Philly anyways. So I I just want to shout out to Coach Vic for making a pit stop in Miami. I learned a lot from him, even though it was quick. He's really a guru at defense. He's just got to learn how to fit in with his players. <laughs> Fangio has not commented publicly, but uh, Ron Jaworski, a friend of his for some four decades, didn't bite his tongue during a Tuesday radio appearance. Coach's coach, Jaworski said, I have connections as well around the league, and I hear another side of that story that there were some players on that defense that didn't want to work, didn't want to put the time in, didn't want to put the effort in, didn't want to make the commitment to be successful. Guys like to party at night, and South Beach is really a great place to party. And Vic tried to get those guys and push those guys to become harder workers and better athletes and more committed to their team, and he couldn't get through to those guys. Those were the guys that Vic was pushing, and they're the guys that are whining right now. Fangio wasn't unemployed for long. The Eagles hired him as their new defensive coordinator just days after his departure from Miami. You won't find a better man, a football lifer, a guy dedicated to his profession, a a great design, not an ego that impacts anyone else, Jaworski said. The Dolphins are conducting a wide search for Fangio's replacement and have candidates that's at least six deep. Well, actually, it's seven deep. And uh, we'll talk about that real quick. But before we do, do you guys have any comments on what he had to say? 
Yeah, I would like to know who exactly he's talking about because Ramsey's one of those guys that I guess came out and said something. No, Rams Ramsey did, Holland did, right? But as far as Ramsey goes, I mean, he had that knee injury, what was that, on the first day of training camp. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, he worked head and heels to get back before everybody predicted him to be back. So I don't necessarily think he's talking about Ramsey. And then I'm thinking about other key guys on the D. I mean, Wilkins, I can, I doubt that he's talking about Wilkins because Wilkins also seems like the guy who comes in and gives a thousand percent every day. He takes his craft really serious. So that's the thing I hate about this type of stuff is like, They'll say it, but they won't tell you who well, exactly they're there talking lot, about. So there was it's a all lot of pushback from Ramsey, uh, if you remember. Yeah, uh, about about the scheme and stuff. All right, about shadowing mm-hmm. and you know the top receiver and this and that. So he well, he had to be a source of friction to some point. Yeah. Now you know it's hard to say you know who was right and who was wrong, but the bottom line is Vic Fangio was gone, and we got to find somebody to replace him. Yeah. yeah. The whole Fangio situation is as such, the way I look at it, is you've got, you've got a veteran coach here that you knew wasn't going to be unemployed very long. And I think it's, you know, it, it, it says a lot about our organization as a whole to where you get a guy like that to come here and you're not able to keep him here. I don't care about the situation in Philadelphia. If you look at, you know, the Philadelphia defense and you look at the Miami Dolphin defense, uh, both of them have a lot to work with, right? Um, He's already had a season here underneath his belt. I think it works both ways. You know, I think that the players, they're talking about, you know, he needs to work with the players. Well, the players need to respect him as as a coach that's been around forever and and understand that this is what he wants to do um you know every year when you went to school you had different teachers right and you had yeah. to adapt to those different teachers um you know that's that's the same thing here i mean he's an old school guy and that's a great analogy by the way yeah and it starts from the top you know you've got a guy in mcdaniel who's very passive and I think Fangio is, is the complete opposite of that. And it's very difficult. And if, any, if I took anything from Hard Knocks, which was fantastic, you know, to watch our players behind the scenes and stuff, was the fact that it was very, very laid back atmosphere, especially the week of the playoff game. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, there are times where you know, if the team's playing extremely well, maybe, you, you know, you, you're a little laid back. Everybody's in a great mood. But, man, we were playing really bad down that stretch. And for them to be that loosey-goosey, you know, under those circumstances to where they were feeling like, to me, it felt like they were overconfidence and not, you know, getting fully repa- uh, prepared, prepared mentally uh-huh. for that playoff game. Um, you know, from what I saw of practices and, um, you know, it can't happen. So, you know, it's, it's two way street. Um, you know, they're looking at, and we're going to talk about this for a minute, but Leslie Frazier and guys like that are veteran coaches as well. So if they come in, you know, if these players have a problem with an old school type coach, they're going to have a problem with him just the same because he's a great coach. And, um, you know, he's again, another veteran guy. So, you know, I don't give a shit about what whether the players are unhappy or not. They're trying to get the most out of them. I mean, these coaches have been in the league forever. They know what the hell they're doing. These players, you know, a lot of them are going to be gone in a year or two. You yep. know, these coaches stay around for 15, 20 years. So, you know, they have to adapt to the coaches, I feel, more so than the, than the coaches have to adapt to the players. And they have to respect that and understand that. And that's the problem with the NFL nowadays. It's just getting, you know, too much to the point where the players are running, running the show, you know? Yep. yep. Inmates are running the asylum, right? Yeah. And I mean, I get it because, you know, Ramsey should have been shadowing. I mean, I don't disagree with that. You know, I, I understand Fangio's an old school guy and he wants to run his defense and he wants to run it as he runs it. And, but you know, there comes a point where you have to run, adapt. When you're, when you're running a zone defense, yeah, you're exactly. asking him to run man. Yeah, exactly. That's but, the problem. You know, but, you want him to change his defense to accommodate 
Jalen Ramsey. Well, it, not, I don't necessarily feel that it's to accommodate Ramsey, Mike. It's, it's, it's a better strategy when you have him covering a guy like Diggs over a guy like Kahu covering him and, and uh, right, Rashid Rice. Um, being covered by Kahu instead Hopkins of Ramsey. Hopkins in that Tennessee Hopkins game. in the Tennessee. I mean, it, listen, you know, d- there's a way of balancing it out to where you can have him shadowing and have the rest of the team play, you know, a zone-type defense and just have him, you know, be under – just following their best receiver. I mean, you know, there's a balance there. So I get both ends of the stick – you know, I've I've spoken on both sides there, so people at least have an idea of of um, you know where they can decide where it should be. I think there's fault on both ends, but you know, in the end, I feel that the coach is the coach, and regardless of what the circumstance is, you know, you've got to follow that. Now, with all that being said, as far as the partying goes, um, you know, and and the guys not being mentally there. I mean, I can see that. And does it really matter, guys, who it is and who it isn't? You know, I mean, if it is Holland and if it's Ramsey. And, it, Chris, it could very, very well be Wilkins. I mean, Wilkins is a, you know, he's a guy that seems like he would go out and party at night, but he's still going to bring it to the table the next day. But we saw games where he disappeared, right? You know, mm, um, I mean. Here and there, you know, I mean, I remember one game specifically where we were like, man, where was Wilkins? The Baltimore yeah, game, yeah. he was like non-existent. In. But, you know, it's, that's my whole point. It doesn't matter. I mean, we can all speculate as to who it is and who it isn't. But in the end, it doesn't matter. There's obviously some guys on this team that aren't dedicated as they should be. And Jaworski does have a lot of connections. He's another guy that's been around forever. And, you know, people talk and these type of things come out. And, you know, I always say where there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. These things just don't come out of nowhere. You know, much like when we got in trouble for tampering, you know, people were saying, oh, it's bullshit. It's this and that. And we kept saying, well, there's something there. And lo and behold, we wound up losing a first round pick over that. So, like I said before, where there's smoke, there's fire. So. There is some truth to some of the things that are being said, and you know it is what it is. So I just hope Holland Holland isn't one of those guys because he's been outspoken, you know. And the last thing you want to see is a young guy like that, you know, causing problems. Yeah, yeah. but even with him, I mean, I watch a lot of uh, player press conferences, and uh-huh. whether it was in the beginning of the season or midway through the season, I mean, he seemed or at least he said he had a lot of respect for Fangio and how long he's been doing it and stuff like that. But it was funny because also on the day that he, uh, Fangio and the Dolphins parted ways, (laughs) Holland posted a video on his Instagram of like him kicking rocks. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know if that was a subliminal. I mean, maybe he just didn't like the scheme, but as far as like Holland's another one of those guys that seems with everything that he says and the way he approaches the game, I don't think that he came in half-assing stuff or like partying the night before. I, you know, but I mean, like you said, it doesn't really matter who it is. It's just interesting because even when I was wa- when I would watch like Fangio interviews throughout the season, he just didn't seem like I don't know, man. Like he, I don't. He's know. just very His, straightforward, Chris. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of personality, just like Belichick. The other thing, guys, is this, is that when you're working for somebody, right, the head man, which is McDaniel, and we've all been there before to where we have bosses above us that we don't necessarily agree with the way they're running Mm -hmm. the store, the restaurant, whatever the case may be. We've all worked um, in different areas to where we didn't feel that the boss was doing the right thing. And, And Fangio... I'm sure, you know, looking at McDaniel and how laid back he is and, you know, all the stuff that he does, he's probably not necessarily in agreement with with how he handles things in a certain way. So, you know, that's another that's another issue in itself, you know, that you can look at and say, well, look, you know, if he's not happy with the guy above him, then, you know, he's going to definitely move on. And you don't know that until you actually start working with people, right? I mean, McDaniel's new to the Right. head coaching situation and he came in here and felt that you know maybe he'd have a little more say 
or maybe a little bit more control over things and, and maybe didn't because we've seen this before. The sad part is, is that, you know, we lost a guy that has a lot of experience and um, I guess we can go right into who we're looking at, Mike, right? Yeah, we can. Chris, okay. you have anything else? I'm sorry. Did I did I cut you off? No, no, you didn't. But my last thing about Fangio, too, is I'm sure he had his opinion. But as far as I'm concerned, when he did get his head coaching um, opportunity with Denver, there was a lot of guys coming out saying that they didn't like the way um, the way that he approached it, too. Right. And I right. guess there's a reason why he's fell back into like the defensive coordinator. And then he was like an assistant with Philly a couple years back. You know, it's like he may not have agreed with it, but the game's changing. And I feel like you also have to adapt. I'm not yeah. saying he has to completely change who he is or his style or any of that. But at the same time, we have to realize what's taking place now. You know, yeah. there has to be some type of medium. Yep. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to take a step back for just a couple minutes, and we'll be right back. Well, it is what it is, guys. I mean, we yeah. lost a good football coach. You know, the, the reasons around it are varied, but obviously he's gone. So the Dolphins have to fill that position, and uh, uh, they've interviewed or are interviewing quite a few people uh Bobby Babbage, linebackers coach from the Bills, they brought him in for a third interview. Yeah, but he actually just got hired by the Bills as their defensive coordinator, so I think he's out of the running for a part of He's definitely out of the running if that happens. Yeah. Okay. They could offer him assistant head coach, and, you know, then he, yeah, true. you know, you can do it. If you want the guy bad enough, there's things you can do, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Campanelli, uh, is our inside linebackers coach. We saw him a lot on, uh, hard knocks, pretty uh-huh. entertaining guy. Yep. Loved his, loved his speeches. Yep. It was his kick-ass speech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan Slowick, outside linebackers coach for our team is being interviewed. Mm-hmm. Brandon Staley, former head coach of the Chargers, uh, is going to interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Weaver, defensive line coach, uh, associate defensive line coach, and uh, he, he was a head coach in Baltimore, and he's going to interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leslie Frazier, former Bills defensive coordinator, to interview, and uh, Chris Kiffin, linebacker coach uh, from Houston, is going to interview. Uh, it's Lane Kiffin's brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Leslie Frazier out of that group is obviously, you know, a guy that has experience and has done a really good job in the past, right? Yeah. I'd love to have him, you know, to have him work with this defense. There's a lot of good players there. There's a lot of talent. I mean, I would think that this is a job that a lot of coaches would want, right? You know, with with the talent that they have on that side of the football. Well, the cap situation may, yeah. may you know, may hurt. But was just about to say that, Mike. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, on certain, but I mean, you're still going to have, you know, you would think Wilkins and Sealer, right? And then you've got guys coming off of injuries on the outside, but um, you still have some some players in the secondary that are pretty solid, um, yeah. you know. So uh, there, not, there's not there's according a good, to Fangio. <laughs> there's a good <laughs> Fangio. I, I'm not going to talk about Fangio anymore. We're going to – Fangio's gone. He's gone. Um, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. I think that we put him the rest at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, Ciao. Ciao, Fangio. Ciao. So, anyway, um, you know, Frazier obviously is a guy you would like. All the other guys have not been defensive coordinators, right? None of them. Staley has. He Staley was the, has, yes. Staley. He was the defensive coordinator for the Rams when uh, Ramsey was playing there, actually. Yeah. yeah. From what I read, Ramsey came out and said that he really liked him as He endorsed him, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I mean, that team also had a boatload of talent. So they did. I don't know if we can give Staley all the credit for it, but I actually wouldn't be I, – I, I would like – Pretty much my three guys would be Brandon Staley, Frazier, or Campanelli. Just promote from within. But yeah. those are the guys that I'm definitely the most excited about or that I know the most about. Agreed. Weaver, I mean, and, 
Weaver and Slowick, I don't really know too much, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, and hope, hopefully we don't land one of those guys. I mean, Campanelli, I mean, obviously he knows the people. He knows what gets, you know, what makes them tick. He knows their strengths. I mean, that's the advantage for him. Well, Slowick has the same, you know, he's, there, yeah. he's our outside linebacker coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, same situation. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, to me, guys, <laughs> you know, the, this, the, the coaches, I, yeah, to a point, it's the players, right? You can't run the race without the horses. And, you know, a guy like Staley, for example, I mean, what happened over there, you know, with that yeah. whole coaching situation? I mean, he went from being a great coach to being one of the worst, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that team was not coached well last year. You know, from one year to the next, you just don't know what the situation's going to be. You know, people go from bad to good or from good to bad pretty quickly. Yep. Um, you know, coaches, coaching is somewhat overrated, I think, in regard to, you know, and you see it all over the place. You know, guys coming and going nonstop and teams getting good and getting great. And then all of a sudden, you know, a certain offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator becomes the hot commodity. He gets a head coaching job and he fails. And it happens yep. a lot. Yep. I mean, that happens. A, there's more um, disappointing um, situations than there are positive situations in well, regard to these hires. I believe, you know, when, when you have a coach that you make a head coach who has been a coordinator, it's a completely different realm yeah. be, because he's not doing as much hands-on coaching as he would have done as a coordinator. Right. He's got other responsibilities. Right. So you've got to have a guy in his place who can produce the way he coached, you mm -hmm. know? Yep. And that's that's sometimes a tough thing. So who takes the fall? Well, the head coach is going to take the fall. Mm -hmm. You know, in McDaniel's case, he's very involved in the offense. Right. And I don't know, Mike. I mean, I can't go down the NFL and tell you how involved the head coach is on one side of the football or the other. Um, you know, we know the guy in Dallas uh, is very involved in the offense. And I'm sure there's a lot of other coordinators that on one side or the other, they're very much Dallas, involved. though, is a unique situation because the owner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but there are other head coaches that are definitely involved in one side of the football or the other. There's yeah. no question yeah, no about question. that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, again, you know, you have to have the horses to run the race. And once the players understand the system that they're going to run, much like our offense, I mean, you know, we ran our offense pretty well this year. But, you know, in the end, what happened was, you know, teams kind of got hip to the game and we didn't make enough adjustments as far as I was concerned. So, um, you know, you can do all the coaching you want and get the guys prepared and run a, run a really good offense, a really tight offense. But, you know, once the defense understands what's being thrown at them, you know, you have to make adjustments over the course of the year. So the great coaches do that is what I'm getting at. You know, the, mm -hmm. the great coordinators do that. Uh, we watch some playoff games, which we'll talk about at the end of the show, that you, you see that. You see the coaching. You see the game plans implemented. And you see them being being successful. And that's where we have to get as an organization, the Miami Dolphins on both sides of the football. I yeah. think on offense, though, I, you know, he was he was dealing with not a full deck. OK, we we didn't really have uh, an explosive third receiver. Uh, we didn't have a tight end who could uh, threaten the seams on a consistent basis. So. These are these are things that held the offense back a little bit, and uh, you know, it, like you said, you got to have the horses. Yeah, but I, I'm talking more in regard to play calling, Mike. I'm not I'm not talking about personnel. I mean, you can't tell me that you can't throw passes to tight ends inside the red zone. You know, you can't tell me you can't do that as a coach and call a play to to your tight ends in those situations. I mean. That's what I'm talking well, about. Well, I think he fell into a little bit of a rut. You know, who do you trust more, Tyreek Hill or, you know, your, your tight ends? That's pretty much what it came down to. 
Well, it comes down to that in every with every team, Mike. I mean, you know, there's always guys that you're going to trust more than others, but that doesn't mean you, you you don't utilize them at certain times when you're trying to fool. And this is my whole point. You know, the co- the coaches have got to implement a game plan that works. I mean, we watched it. You know, if if you want to refer back to. The, the playoff games, there were guys making plays in these games to where, you know, you were like, wow, they didn't even use these guys over the course of the year. You know, I remember the Tampa game specifically with Otten. The guy caught like 10 or 12 passes, you know, in, in a game, and they wound up upsetting Philadelphia. That's the type of stuff I'm talking about. And, you know, there, there's football players. These guys are capable. They just have to be used. Um, and, you know, again, you know, we did too much of the same. And I think that in the end, you know, bit us in the ass and, you know, something, you know, when, as you watch these playoff games, you know, you see this, you see that, you know, the guys just being implemented five, six different players, uh, Detroit with St. Brown. I mean, he, he was way down the list of guys touching the football in that game this past week against San Francisco. And he's their best receiver. And this is my whole point. Now, do they have better talent than we do? You know, maybe, you know, to an extent. But, you know, when you got guys like Josh Reynolds and people, you know, a rookie like Gibbs being utilized, that's my whole point. You know, a guy like A-Chan's got to be utilized, much like Gibbs was in that game. And I think you're much more successful, you know. So, anyway. They have a great offensive line, too. They do. There's um, no I had question one more about thing it. going back to the defensive coordinator. It's interesting because I didn't realize Campanelli has been with us since 2020. So wow. he was he was there for the Brian Flores, the Josh Boyer yep. um, schemes, and then he was also there this past season with the Fangio. And personally, that's the type of guy you want because you know that he knows what the player's strengths are, and maybe he can combine you know, like the two schemes and kind of, you know, do something different because honestly, I think our defense was a lot better with the Flores and the Boyer regime than it was. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it's like there were kind of different defenses. Like they didn't have Ramsey in 2020 and um, it's a little bit different, but that's the kind of guy you want that he actually knows the player's strengths and stuff. That's not just going to come in and say, all right, we're running my scheme no matter what, even if that's detrimental to how our defense can perform against certain teams, you know? Yeah. Look, look at the minuses and pluses, right? From Flores, his defense. And uh, what was the guy that followed him up? Boyer. Boyer. Uh, Look at the minuses and pluses, right? So you lost, you basically gained uh, Ramsey, right? You gained Elliott in the secondary as a safety, and you gained Long as a linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. And the minuses were, you know, guys like Alandon Roberts. Yep. Byron Jones. Byron Jones. You know, uh, Eric Rowe. And in all honesty, guys, what defense, in your opinion, was better over the course of the season? Um you know, I'm swaying more towards uh, two years back and three years back yeah, than this, exactly. this year. You know, well, the, yep. yeah. When when they first when they first introduced the uh, zero blitz, that's when they were the most successful. Absolutely. But they were still successful last year, Mike. I thought. You I'm know, not as far as with I'm you, concerned, Lewis, I'm just telling you, I thought they were better then. That's oh, a, they were. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not debating that. But I'm saying that over the, what I'm comparing, what I'm saying is, is I'm comparing this year's defense to either one of those defenses. Yeah, I don't think and, you can. <laughs> um, and we may have been rated higher this year, but, you know, again, we played against some really, really yes. horrible, horrible offenses. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, our defense, talent-wise, up until Chubb and Phillips, a couple guys went down, I mean, our defense was more talented last year than as this far year? back as I can remember. Yeah. Oh, this past like year, we, you mean? Yeah, we yeah. had more talent oh, on this defense than years past going back to... Without a doubt. Maybe Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas, you know? Yeah. No, there's no there's no doubt about that. I mean, so... I mean, it's all... It's all... It's all, to me, it's interesting. You know, it, it's... 
you know, you can compare, um, you know, where we were ranked, so on and so forth. It just seemed like our defense played uh, much better two years back um, than they did this past year. But, you know, I could be wrong. You know, I, I, I just don't know. I There's mean, multiple factors that go into it. I don't think there it's is. specifically it's not, Fangio's fault. I'm not going to blame him for that. black but and I'm, white. There's a like lot of I said, I mean, it's just more so like, we need a guy that's going to come in and kind of run his defense, but also play to the strengths of the players we have, you know? Right. Well, Mike, we watched, we watched, uh, you know, our guy Arnsbarger leave and then guys like Chuck Studley and oh, some d- defensive, <laughs> Oliver Dottie. Oh, you hurt I mean, me, we, Lou. You hurt we had, me. We had some bad coordinators come in with a, lost with, me there. with a lot of the same talent. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. But anyway, what other subjects do we got, Mike? Well, you know, just get back to that for a second. Shula Shula was very, very loyal to his assistants. And uh, sometimes he'd keep them a little bit longer than he should have. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that was the case with Alvadotti because for years we were praying for that guy to, you know, (laughs) find another job. But – yeah, he was not good. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't fun. But, you know, the, the bottom line is the head coach has got to be responsible at the end of the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, so McDaniel has to find himself a coordinator that's going to do the job and do the job properly and get along with the players as they need to in today's day and age. Yep. You know, it's not like it used to be where you could, you know, coach with a heavy hand. You can't do that today. The players just won't have it. <laughs> right. I think you can, but you have to, there has to be some type of... uh, You have to earn their respect, Chris. Exactly. You have to, you can be that way, but you also have to, you know, like you said, earn their respect and, you know, be able to relate. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to break for a few moments and uh, we'll be right back. And that's kind of... No, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I, I just read, too, that Leslie Frazier's turning 65 in April. So, yeah. yep. you know, who knows if he's, he's the right choice. Age is just a number, well. Chris. Just a number, bro. <laughs> just a number. Yeah. Listen, I mean, Fangio, Mike, Mike's Fangio turning 65. Coach. What's that? Quiet down, you. I'm not turning 65 yet. <laughs> Jesus Good. Christ. Don't age me. Old enough. Anyway, so... Good. Let's talk about the playoff games because uh, sure. this is this is starting to bore me. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lewis. Yeah, what happened to Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell. Well, Dan Campbell got caught up in the moment. Right, he didn't understand that. You know, easy, easy. Remember in. Um, uh, <laughs> In West Side Story, uh-huh. when, you know, you're saying, take it cool, boy, take it cool. Kick the field goal, put the pressure on San Francisco to keep scoring. And- we, we were on the phone at the time, if you remember. Yeah. And, and you and- asked me what i do, and I said, you absolutely have to kick the field goal. Yep, absolutely. You we were both in agreement. I said, just keep putting points on the board. You gave San Francisco a little momentum there. You kick that field goal, and they're like, all right, well, we held them to a field goal, but damn, now they got three more points on the board. Um, You know, so he did a great job. I mean, all I could tell you is this, is that Detroit went into that game, and they were extremely prepared on both sides of the football. I mean, I got to tell you, San Francisco had a couple lucky bounces. If they don't get those lucky bounces, then Detroit's in the Super Bowl right now. Um, you know, there, one or two plays do not make a football game. But in this game in particular, you know, the one where IU come, came up with the ball when it bounced oh off. Oh, my God. That I mean, was pure I mean, luck. Man. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was absolutely pure luck. It was a turning point. But, you know, there were a lot of factors that opened the door to that. You know, so, you know, sometimes that's going to go your way and then other times it's not. You know, we've seen it over and over again. You know, some bad. We know all about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. bad bounces, you know, a fumble that bounces out of bounds, another one that bounces right into a a defensive player's hands and he runs it in for time. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, The game's not necessarily one on that, but Detroit went in extremely prepared. Campbell did a phenomenal job in preparing them for a road game. And I mean, yep. 
this is when you look at that game in general, right? Nobody, and I mean nobody in their right mind, gave Detroit. Anybody I spoke to said San Francisco is going to beat them. I mean, yep. they're they're going to win this football game. Um, they're going to probably win it pretty easily, and it mm. wasn't the case. Um, Detroit went in and prepared on both sides of the football. Their defense was doing a really good job of slowing San Francisco's really good offense down, and they had everybody healthy, and their offense was moving the ball up and down the field on San Francisco's defense. When you look at that game and the way that team prepared for a road playoff game, a championship game, as compared to how we played on the road against a <laughs> against a team that uh, I felt was beatable that's now going to the Super Bowl, we just weren't prepared for that game in the least. You know, we were short a lot, a lot of players, but we still weren't prepared, even with the guys, especially on the offensive side. You looked at how Detroit's offense ran, the, uh, ran their offense as compared to what we did offensively yeah. in our playoff game, and it's, it's like night and day. So we've got a long, long way to go, guys, a long way to go. That, that's the take I take from that game. What do you guys got? So in the Niners-Lions game, to me, the turning point was right after you just talked about it, that IU touchdown, the Lions get the ball back and Jameer Gibbs fumbled. That to me was the yeah. that that was the turning point, the momentum. I mean, I live in the Bay Area, so I know a lot of guys that were actually at that game. They were going on their Instagram live, and you can see the stadium just it he just completely. Yeah. And it's wild that Dan Campbell after the first time, because remember he went for it twice on fourth down when he had an opportunity yep. to kick a field goal, and that ends up being you know the cost him the game. But like you said, I mean, one or two plays don't completely change it. But you know what's also funny about that game is how good they were moving the ball in the first half. And then when um, the 49ers made adjustments at half, the Lions score seven points in the second half. And I know that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Right. (laughs) So I feel like the adjustments just weren't. And, you know, Jared Goff. He's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. And I feel like the moment he's actually from the Bay Area as well. And uh, the the announcers were saying he had like 50 plus people in attendance, like his family, friends and stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like the moment just got too big for him at the end there. Yeah. As far as the Chiefs and the Ravens game, that was a little bit more interesting because I feel like the Chiefs, because they have Patrick Mahomes, they have Travis Kelsey, all this Taylor Swift nonsense. People don't realize how good their defense is. And their, their defense, defense is carrying is, them. man, they did an incredible job on that Ravens offense and did yep. something that really no other defense did this whole season. I mean, if you remember towards the end of the season, Mike, we were wa- we were all watching that game together when the Ravens steamrolled yep. the, the uh, 49ers. And then obviously we all know what happened the following week when they played us. But I mean, they were producing at such a high level. It was really, really interesting to see how the Chiefs just completely shut them down. You know, they did. Yeah. So, I mean, they I think the Chiefs are a lot better team than people gave them credit for. I mean, on I the offensive on side, the defensive side, they are. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, even on the offensive side, I mean, they've definitely they led the league in drops. So they, they do were, enough. Right. They, they do were, enough exactly. on offense. And they got a really good running back in Pacheco. Yeah. And then when you have the best quarterback in the league, you know, I mean, it's yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I think I know people try to put the quarterback tiers in ranks and stuff and to me it's Patrick Mahomes and then everybody beneath there's no there's no you can't tell me that any quarterback in the league as far as and I'm not talking about just talent I'm talking about overall the way Pat Mahomes exactly he's he's cool he doesn't panic exactly we're talking about a Ravens defense that led the league in turnovers nothing against the Chiefs you know Pat Mahomes is you know he's a he's as far as I know, you guys have watched a lot more football than me throughout the years. You know, I wasn't around for some of the earlier stuff. But as far as what I've seen, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen play the game. Yeah, he's 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 up there. He, he is up there. I mean, but, you know, when you when you looked at that game as a whole, I don't know what Baltimore was thinking because they had Kelsey just running wide open. I mean, if, if you're going to shut Kansas City down in any way, shape or form, Kelsey's the guy. Starts with Kelsey. Starts mm-hmm. with Kelsey. I mean, you know, Rice is a great receiver. I mean, he's very good. But 
The offense isn't run through him. And Pacheco's a very good running back, but the offense isn't run through him either. It's Mahomes and Kelsey. You take Kelsey out of the game plan, and you have a pretty good shot of beating him. And he just killed him. I think he had like 150, 160 yards receiving. Yeah, I mean, I think he had 10 catches for 100 yards in the first half. Yeah, it was um, ridic- I mean, Ridic, you can't – you cannot – you cannot – how does that Kansas happen, City. right? I, exactly. I don't know how it happened. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was a bad game plan. And yeah. on the offensive side, Lamar Jackson, just he just had a horrible game. Even the interception at the end, and, I mean, yeah, in the triple was, coverage. Yeah. I mean, and he was just off over and over and over again. The game plan on the offensive side wasn't It was great. bad. Yeah. It was bad. And I'm going to read something to you guys that I sure. feel like you guys will definitely think that it's pretty interesting. So – um, the Ravens offense in that game, rushing wise, listen to this Lamar Jackson, eight carries, 54 yards. Gus yep. Edwards, three carries, 20 yards. Zay Flowers, two carries, four yards. And Justice <laughs> Hill, three carries for three yards. Yeah. They I, didn't run the ball. No. I don't know. I mean, I know the Chiefs have a pretty good run defense, but how many I times mean, did Jackson pass the ball, Chris? 37 times. Completed okay. 20. Passes for 274 yards. He had the touchdown and the interception. Yeah, he had the long touchdown, which was a great play, but past that. Yeah, I mean, other than those two big plays, the Zay Flowers. I mean, Zay Flowers fumbling going into the end zone was just backbreaking. I mean, that yeah, was so that, that hurt. It was yeah. a great play by the defense. It was. So. No, I mean, it really was. LeJarius Sneed came up and just punched the ball out at the perfect time. I mean, that. You oh, know. my God. A second later, yep. and the guy and crosses. That's a touchdown. The, yep. it, it's a touchdown. I mean, Sometimes you got to get, and like you said, Chris, their defense is very, very underrated. And, you know, this is a Dolphins show. So, you know, when we talk about these other teams, I always like to, you know, revert back to our team. And you look at these guys that are making plays in these playoff games. They're not all first rounders, guys. They're their their defense is made up of guys that were drafted in a lot of different areas making plays like that. And we need more of that. You know, I say it over and over again. And that's, you know, that's the difference between some of these teams like Kansas City. I mean, look at how many guys have come and gone on that team, right? Don't they have like basically a whole different secondary than they did when they won their first Super Bowl? Um, yes. Yeah, I think so. And their receiver core obviously is turned yeah. over. Completely you know? different, yep. right? Their yep. running back situation is completely different. Yep. You know, so... You know, the mainstays are obviously Jones across the defensive line and Mahomes and Kelsey, and then a few other guys scattered around here and there. But that team, (laughs) which is in the playoffs year in and year out and drafting very late in every round, is is rebuilding and putting guys on the field that are making plays for them. And As long as as they have Mahomes, they have a shot. Yeah. Yeah, but but we're talking – go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, I mean, it's definitely the drafting, too, because so Legereus Sneed has shut down some of the best receivers all year. I mean, I don't think there's been a game where yeah. they're, uh, a, an opposing team's number one receiver just cooked him the whole game. And where was he got he Pro drafted? Bowl honors. Um, he was either a first or second round pick, but where I'm getting at it is, so he, he got voted to the Pro Bowl. And in my opinion, and I think league-wide, he is the best corner on that team. Then they have another fellow named Trent McDuffie yep. who was drafted, I think, in the second round who got all pro this year. Yeah. So, And then not only that, you know, I've talked about uh, Nick Bolton before. He yep. was a third-round pick, and I, gosh, I can't remember who we took over him. But it was something similar to, like, we took a defensive player right before they took him in the third round, and he's – became one of the best middle linebackers in the league. Um, George Karloffis, I think his name is, he was another guy. I think it was a late first round or second round pick who's really stepped up for them at the edge. So it's like, man, they're, They've really hit on a lot of these guys draft-wise. Pacheco in the seventh oh, round? Yeah, I mean, I it's, mean, come on. Where was Sky, Where was what uh, Rice drafted? Rasheed Rice was... Gosh, I want to I, say I, like, I don't think he was a first rounder. No, nah, I don't think so either. Second or third rounder, maybe. I mean, you know, it, it, it goes on and on and on, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> well, we got H hand in the third round, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the difference is, though, Mike, 
they're hitting on three of the three three A right. chains in each draft. You right. know, I exactly. think that's that that's what we're looking for. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Three yep. guys who are just going to come in and you know not only play but play at a high level. Yes, yep. and 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 be able to t- take over for a veteran. I mean, you know, guys, this is a constant moving moving vehicle, right? It's a it it's there's moving parts every single year, so. You have to prepare yourself, and we've done a horrible job of drafting guys that do not replace our veteran guys and aren't going to be able to. Yeah, now, Rasheed Rice was a second-round pick. Second-round pick. Now, now, do we have a receiver in our stable right now that can even step up and replace a guy like a Tyreek Hill at this point? Absolutely not. There is no the guy in the league that can do that. Well... <laughs> You know, I'm saying a guy that Mike can at least become a number one, like Rice did in, in right. Kansas City, right? I mean, right. more than capable of 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 making plays for your football team. Zay Flowers in Baltimore, same situation. I mean, he's a guy that's stepping up. What I'm saying is, is that with the exception of a chain or a chan, um, you know, replacing say a Mostert and and a Wilson for the next few years as your lead guy. You know, you look around our team and at every position across the offensive line, we don't have a guy per se that's going to really step in and replace a guy like a Connor Williams. You know, you don't feel comfortable with Eichenberg doing it. You don't feel comfortable with um, Easy E coming in and replacing one of your receivers, regardless, even if it's your third receiver at this point. Tyndale at the linebacker position, if you lose Long or Baker. Um, Cam you know, Smith, Cam yeah, Smith, on on. Cam. It goes on and on and on, Mike. I mean, you know, so <laughs> we 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 we. This has to change. It just has to. You know, I'm stumbling over myself because I get so worked up over this crap because it just annoys me. We well, look it, for. It, it's not to say those players won't have a position next year, right? You the know? verdict's we, still out, right? On Smith, yeah, right. definitely. Tyndale, you're starting to wonder. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah, that man, one I don't think is him and Uzukama are both in the same that, boat as that far as ship has sailed, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and um, Austin Uzukama though was hurt, and I, I think he still has a possibility of becoming something. Yeah, you I mean, he had a so. serious neck injury, though, Mike. So, I mean, those, yeah. those are weird. I mean, yep. obviously it was bad to the point where he didn't step on the field once all season. So, right. who knows, man? You know, yep. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong because I remember when we drafted him, I think Wes Welker was super high on him because, you know, Wes Welker also went to Texas Tech. Yep. And I feel like had a relationship with this guy and thought that he could be, you know, a pivotal, pivotal point of our offense. But, but doesn't I mean, we'll it? see. But doesn't it, you know, uh, we'll use him. I, I, I understand he was hurt this year. There's no doubt about it. But the year prior, all we heard was, man, he's trying to learn every position right. on the field. It's right. like, guys, it, let him learn one position and let him be productive for now. Yeah. And then teach him as we go along. To me, that's just a bunch of hog shit. You know what I mean? I'm not buying it. I'm just I'm not. not. either. I if, agree with you. If a guy's got enough talent, you're going to get him on the field somewhere, somehow, some kind of way, unless the guy just doesn't understand the system at all. Which um, is probably the case. Which is pro- – I don't know. I don't I mean, know. We the saw the same is, kind but- of thing with Claypool. I mean, I know he didn't – I know he came in during the season, but right. you can't tell me that you couldn't have drew up a couple plays for him in the red zone where he's taking a jet sweep or you're throwing a fade to him or right. even a quick slant, you know, against a smaller corner where he can just body the body the defensive player. So I mean, I think it has to do with McDaniel too. You know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. McDaniel's got McDaniel's gotta let these guys play and you know make make mistakes and learn from it you know i mean well that was you my have point. to develop your players that's yep. the bottom line yeah and, exactly uh, you know how can you develop if you're not seeing any game time at all all right what we're going to do is we're going to take a step back for just a couple minutes and we'll be right back here's the thing right and and you know we we could say right that well our organization as a whole you know, brings these guys along slowly. But that's not the case because A-Chain came out and became a guy that was involved immediately, right out of the gate, right yep. out of the gate. I mean, 103 carries this year for 800 yards, and, and he only played in 11 games. <laughs> and he started only four. I mean, so, you know, you're looking at 
you know, you can't say that, well, this guy doesn't understand or this guy is this and that. And then you have a rookie that comes in and this is a very diverse, very like uh, there's so many different ways to approach our offense. And this guy comes in and he's he, and he's run, you know, he's he's right in the middle of it. Right. Yep. From day one. Well, from you day know, one, you remember the Parcell saying, right. If, with the pup. If they don't bite as <laughs> pups, they're probably not going to bite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So and Not only that, Mike said it a bunch of times. I mean, we keep drafting these guys that are projects. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. at some point, you have to start drafting guys that are going to be ready. Yeah, you, get, you have to start drafting guys that are going to be ready to come in, that you're drafting guys. Wilkins. That, Wilkins did that. Yep, you know? exactly. Perfect draft pick. Yeah. Exactly. In today's NFL, that that's... That, that's the way it is. I mean, the college level is just so, like, intense and so, like, pro. I mean, these guys are pro-ready. We watch it At the big every schools, week. for sure. Yeah, We watch it every week with other teams, with guys that, well, this third-round draft pick is their starter, and he's going to be a Pro Bowl player this year. You know, this safety, this corner, this, this offensive lineman. I mean, it's all over the place. I get sick of hearing it. And then I look at our team and I'm like, shit, where, where's our guys like that? You mm-hmm. know, where are they? Well, we've got Armstead. We signed as a free agent. We got Tyreek Hill, who we traded five draft picks for. We, those, these are our <laughs> Pro Bowl players. Jalen Ramsey, who we signed but even, a free agent contract. I mean, these are our Pro Bowl players, right? Yep. And even like a guy like Austin Jackson, for instance, when we drafted him, we knew he was going to be a project. Yes. And it's re- as awesome as it was to see him come around this year, what good does it do us for him for guys to come into their own in their fourth year and now we got to give them a contract after one year, you know? Right. Who's to say that Austin Jackson's going to – grow and be even better than he was last year i'm not saying that he won't but you know what i'm saying it's like a guy after having one good season you give him this big contract and then you know it can go either way really he didn't not to cut you off but he didn't have a great season i mean he did he He did did. fairly well i I was i was reading some some statistics and he really gave up like he was as far as how many pressures he gave up for how many snaps he took. He it was wasn't up there. Bad, the, yeah. No, he was up there at, yeah. with like some of the best tackles in the league. But run blocking wise, I yeah, think run blocking his yeah. grade down yep. extreme in extreme because when when me and Mike would go over the grades every week, mm-hmm. um, he was not grading out very well. As a matter of fact, right. early in the year he was our worst offensive lineman every single week. I thought, yeah. right, Mike? Initially, like yeah. the first four or five weeks. Um, but that's not, listen, what we don't realize is he's still only 24 years old, right? Mm-hmm. So he still has room to grow there. He still can become, he's got a lot of experience under his belt. I mean, he's a guy that's probably going to be here. Um, you know, you would think, um, uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you almost have to have them. You can't lose two, three guys across the offensive line over the next year or two. You know, you just don't have enough draft picks to to just, you know, implement your whole offensive line with them unless they decide to do that. You know, their first three picks this year, they take offensive linemen across yeah. the board if they're the best available that players. That could happen. It could yeah, happen, could you know. Happen. What, do I believe it's going to? No, I think that, you know, they're, they're – <laughs> Just for the sake of discussion, get... Connor Williams was our top-rated lineman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taron Armstead was second. Hunt was third, although he didn't play much, obviously. Well, he missed three or four, right? He didn't no, miss. No, dude, Hunt missed, I want to say, six or seven games. Did he really? Year. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize Because you that. remember, he got he hurt, he came he back, and then went back out. Yep. Played in 11. Yep. He played in 11, okay. Yep. Yeah. After, after Hunt was Austin Jackson. Okay. Uh, with a 66-9, which is probably the best grade of his career. Yeah, that's not bad. It really yeah. isn't, you know. And then Kendall Lamb at 64-3. Right. And uh, then you have everybody else, Robert Jones and right, so on right. and so forth. All the guys so, that were in yeah. and out. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, you know, there is, you know, th- there is room for improvement. Now, what's his contract situation? Who? Who? Austin Jackson. We just extended him. We pad. did. Yeah, during the season. So he'll be back next year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a smart move, right? Um, you know, you just have to get, you, you have to make decisions on obviously Hunt and Connor Williams. 
And Armstead's under contract next year as well, right? Yes, sir. So to me, Hunt's a no-brainer. You Hunt's have to a no-brainer. You already got the other guy locked in. You got to make a decision on Connor Williams. And you know, if you think you're going to go after a center in the draft early on, you know, then maybe you let him walk. If if you don't, if you don't feel you're going to go that route, then you you got to figure a way to sign him. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it's as simple as that. And then. You know, you're looking at just, uh, you know, as far as your offensive line, you're just looking at that left guard position. And otherwise, you're, you're pretty much set across that offensive line going in the next year. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting. And, and certainly we'll talk about it as the weeks go on. You know, yes. we'll, we'll look at the roster and other oh, show. Yeah. yeah. We didn't. Yeah. So anyway, um, any, any other points you guys want to make on the topics that we've discussed? No, I think we're good, Mike. Um you know, we're uh, we're coming up on that hour. We don't want to bore people in the off season, you know, too much, right? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all Last right. thing I'm going to say is I've been doing a little bit of research as far as like the offensive linemen, like the top ones. Uh-huh. And a guy we keep getting linked to is the center from Oregon, Jackson yep. Powers Johnson. And I've been watching some of his um, senior bowl reps and that's the guy I want. I want him. Yeah. Well, Chris, we, don't get don't get too excited because Greer will definitely disappoint you. Believe me when I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you and you know that, right? Yeah. I yeah I'll pick some guy from Recharge State. You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, a project that was mean. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, no, it was. Yeah. Kinda. Kinda. Yeah, it was but, funny though. Okay. Good. You could have used a different word, though, but regardless. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, just kidding. But, uh, yes. yeah, you know, you, you want to see Greer have that kind of offseason that's going to elevate our team. I mean, really elevate our team. We're good now. We got to get better. Right. Yep. So, you know, it's on him, and he's got some draft picks to work with for a change, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does, whether he makes a trade and we lose those picks or – whatever we'll see yeah gotcha. and i think with the the less amount of resources as he's had in the past couple of years i think we're gonna really see how good of a gm he is you know with how he approaches this free agency and how he approaches the draft i mean as far as i'm concerned this offseason is gonna make or break him and it's hopefully critical. critical yeah no it really is it really is uh, we've been saying that the last year or two, Chris. and uh, For different reasons, though. For different reasons. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah. This is a tougher offseason for them because of the cap restraints. And, mm. you know, they're basically having to, you know, pay the piper, you know, because they've yeah. been pushing money down the road. And, you know, well, it's down the road now. And, uh, you know, they're going to have tougher decisions to make. And, you know, some players that are good are not going to be here. And that's that's – you know, that's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so, that's the reality his, of it all. Yep. yep, and it's his third or fourth regime. So hopefully yep. Ross, if, if you know, for whatever reason we don't succeed in 2024, hopefully Ross just shows him the door, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping it goes otherwise, you know, but Hopefully Ross is, sells the know? team first off. and then. Eh, uh, I mean, I don't think he's a terrible owner. He just hasn't made great decisions as far as – the guys he has at the top, you know, yeah. Yeah. you can't blame the guy for trying. Yeah. No, so he's, he's definitely well, you... going to open his checkbook and that's a lot more than, you know, a lot of owners will do, you know, so, but yeah, I, we'll I hold him responsible for having Greer around this long and in charge yeah. of what he's I agree. Been, you know, yep. I mean, you got to look at that. I mean, the thing listen, about Ross is when he cleans house, he only does half the job. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's so, the problem. You got I mean, when you clean house, you got to clean house. You can't do this, you know, dance around it stuff because it doesn't work. No, so, yeah. you can't have one, you know, different three, four different head coaches and you know the same GM here, right? And say, hey, you know, it, it, maybe maybe this is the problem here, exactly. You know, and then it you know it just snowballs down. So anyway, we certainly covered that last week, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll cover it again next week, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, the whole off season we'll be covering it. It's yeah. always going to defer back to him yeah. or refer back to him because well, he's the guy buying the groceries. He's the guy, right? He's the guy that's you know basically running the show there. Unfortunately, yeah. so yeah. you know. Anyway, thanks All for right. joining me, guys, and Very thanks welcome. for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Uh, if you can, uh, leave us a review. 
We'd appreciate that. Now, listen, we're going to be back next week, and I'm sure we'll talk more personnel because uh, I know Lewis is dying to go over the roster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And we'll have some fun with that. Until then, take care, everybody, and fins up. Fins up. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, Fin fans, that's today's show. I want to thank the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Sports Social Podcast Network. Check out these sites, guys. They've got articles and uh, podcasts, which I think you'll enjoy. All right, until next week, be well and take care. Podcast Network.